Hey, everybody. Welcome to the I Am A Woman podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Strickland, and I'm super excited to have Christina Boudreaux back on the show. We had her a few months ago for two episodes that are so, so powerful, and I'm having her back today because we're going to talk about the unique struggles of youth in America as well as internationally. So let me read you her quick bio and welcome you to the show, Christina. I'm so happy to have you on. Thank you. I'm so excited to be back. Oh, it's so great to have you. She's one of my all-time favorites. Okay, Christina Boudreaux is a 33-year-old missionary who's a member of the Whosoever's Movement, headed up by Ryan Reese, based out of Calvary Chapel, Golden Springs. As a missionary, Christina spends her time touring public schools, detention centers, sex trafficking homes, rehabs, prisons, skate parks, and homeless shelters, sharing the gospel with the lost, brokenhearted, abused, and abandoned of the world. In addition, Christina is a plus-size model who is passionate about using her platform as a model to share about true, authentic beauty with girls around the world. So, yay! I'm so glad you are here. You are uh, really a woman after my own heart because you go after the areas where there are brokenhearted and hurting people. We've been talking, Christina, on this podcast quite a bit uh, over the last few months about, you know, what does the Word of God say about our children, and why do we need to use our voices to protect the children right now? And I'm also particularly interested in how we can minister to youth that are struggling. What is the main, like, what are the main things that you see? You travel, tell us first of all about the whosoevers. You you travel around and you do events in public schools across the United States, actually around the world. Tell me about that movement and, and how it developed for you. Yeah, so the Whosoever's Movement was started by uh, Sonny Sandoval. He's a lead singer of POD. There's a famous Christian song that says, we are the youth of the nation. And mm-hmm. so his heart was really the youth. And my friend, Ryan Reese, um, he used to manage Circa Footwear. It's like a pro skateboard team. And um, Lacey Stern from Flyleaf, they all came together to start this movement because their whole thing was wanting to really reflect Christ and culture. And so they started off doing music festivals, but then the Lord opened up the doors for us in the public schools where we partner with the Christian club and we do these massive assemblies during lunch because every club could do an event during um, after school, you know, before school or during lunch. And so sometimes we see like five to 800 kids in a gym during lunchtime and it's the spirit of God that draws them. You know, we, we hand out pizza, we share the gospel and these kids don't have to be there during lunch, but you could literally always hear a pin drop. It doesn't matter what school we go to, whether it's in the inner city in LA or San Diego or gang neighborhoods, because the gospel is that powerful mm. that it just really, it reaches the human heart, you know, and because Christ is, he was the father this generation is looking for who laid down his life, you know, so that they could have eternal life in him and be forgiven of their sins and all those things. And so, and these, and we do altar calls. These kids come forward. We plug them into a Christian club. We plug them into local youth groups. And so it's really cool because, you know, during COVID, when everything was shut down, we were like, okay, we can't go into the schools because the schools are shut down. So we said, where are the kids right now? They're at the skate park. So we went and we did tours through the skate parks and the issues are the same everywhere we go, whether it's 
here or overseas. And that's why our heart is to just continually reach these kids with the gospel, but also share with them that the issues that they're having, it there's only hope and healing in Christ. You can't find it in drugs or alcohol or anything else, you know, that they're looking to. And so it's really cool to see what the Lord has done. Um, you know, through the movement, but it's just really like people are like, how, how do that many kids come forward? What do you guys do? And we're like, we're so bare bones and how we, our approach is just the gospel. Like pastors come and they're like, how are you guys getting this response? And we're like, listen, we just share the raw gospel. We don't water it down. And these kids come forward and we see kids radically changed by the gospel. And that's really all that it is. It's just the power of the gospel. So, okay, why don't you do us all a favor? I want to hear you share the gospel. Oh, you want me to share the gospel? I want you to share the gospel. Yeah. Share the gospel yeah. with me. I'm I'm a kid. Okay, yeah. I'm going back to my public school days. Yeah. My days before. <laughs> I know, doing I it on the spot. didn't go to yeah. church. I didn't, right, right? And yeah. I was just kind of living for myself. And I go to, yeah. a, you know, an assembly or whatever where the Hoosiers yeah. is speaking. What would you share? Yeah, honestly, like, so I would probably share with you that there's a father in heaven who loves you, who came from heaven, from heaven to earth to pursue a relationship with you. So not only give his life for you because the Bible says that there's no greater love than that, which, you know, someone that can lay down his life for his friend. And you might not have had someone in your life that has shown you love or what true love is, but that is true love that he gave his life for you, that that is your worth. That is your identity. And he not only wants your heart, but he wants to heal your heart. He wants to mend your broken heart because he doesn't leave your heart the same. And he wants to wash you clean, like all the shame, all the brokenness. He wants to trade your rags and he wants to give you robes of royalty um, as his child. And he wants to adopt you as his own. And he loves the broken, outcasted, filthy ones that don't have a place that with him, you have a seat at his table. So that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, yeah, I have been, uh, just really fascinated the last few years in watching uh, just a lot of the youth are flocking to, you know, these sexual identities or gender identities. And, you know, we've always taught identity in Christ it's really the pure, simple gospel that draws people to him. It doesn't matter, right? Absolutely, yeah. It doesn't matter. What what are the what are the main troubles that you're seeing kids in in public schools facing? Skate parks, homeless shelters, you're going to all the places, right? What are, what are the issues, the pain points that you're finding among the youth of this generation? You know. A lot of what I'm seeing, like the issues are the same, whether I go to Asia or Latin America or the U.S., like within the youth, it's it's all the same. Like I, so many kids now have access to screens and their screen time is so high, like social media and TikTok and pornography is truly raising our kids right now mm. and because kids are exposed to so much. I'm seeing a lot of. I mean, it's, it's so heartbreaking to say, but there's a lot of sexual abuse and rape within teen culture. 
like really? teens raping other teens. Yes. Like really? you have, mm-hmm, cause you have, I can't tell you how many group homes we've gone to or where they're saying that, you know, the older boys are raping the younger boys, but why they're exposed to pornography or they themselves have been abused. And I've seen so much sexual abuse from obviously older to younger, you know, but I think now statistics are like one in three girls have been sexually abused and one in five boys. But so many of these young boys that I talk to when we share our stories come up to me and it's so heartbreaking. I mean, it breaks my heart when a girl is abused, but when a boy is abused, that strength that God gave them is like Mm. armor that's now stripped away. So you have all these young effeminate boys walking around. And when I actually talk with them and hear their stories, there's sexual abuse there. There's rape there that they now feel like their masculinity is gone because they've been feminized. And so they either have this harder outer exterior, like we meet a lot, we work with a lot of kids in the gang communities. They've all been sexually abused. They put this harder outer exterior with their tattoos, you know, and they're like, you know, gang members. But then when the gospel touches them, they're weeping because they encounter the father's love. And so I would say a lot of sexual abuse within teen culture, a lot of rape. And because of that, there's a lot of depression. And how do they numb the depression and anxiety? They go to drugs, right? And then they go to eating disorders, you know, they and sometimes it's so much that they go to suicide. For a lot of girls, it's a self harm. We've seen self harm a lot within boys and girls all around the world. And it's just so heartbreaking, because this culture of this, you know, we just came out of pride month. They're telling kids to explore their bodies, but they're exploring their bodies and their sexuality, but with each other. And it's non-consensual at times. A lot of the time, it's just honestly really heartbreaking what we've seen. And I had a friend of mine that said that she was at an orphanage in Mexico. And one of the main issues, a lot of these kids have been like rescued from trafficking at this orphanage but they're having so many issues within the kids of like the females raping the younger females, the older males raping the younger like males, or even if they're one and two or three years apart, because kids are exposed to pornography. Right. And they're like, Oh, and they're heightened sexuality, everything. So where do they go to release their urges? Hmm. On each A other. younger sibling. Yeah, exactly. Or younger so sibling. It, yeah. It's very oh. sad. I've heard a lot of that. It's so, wow. There's a lot of, it's very sad. Some of the stories are very sad. You know, yeah, like you said, you know, coming out of Pride Month, I've just, I've sort of seen two different camps of, um, well, one of the main camps I've seen uh, that I don't really particularly like is the Christians who are um, just bashing the movement. You know, because I don't really fully see that as very compassionate in the sense of what you just said. I mean, we have to ask ourselves how many people in those parades were actually violated sexually as children who are tremendously um, scarred by these sexual experiences 
that that were opened up to them, and the only thing they know is just to continue living that out. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and that's what yeah. sexual abuse brings is the confusion. And then the world's validating that confusion. And it's all lie from the enemy, from the abuse to the confusion to the validation of the confusion. It's just the enemy's validating the lies. When you say validating the confusion, talk, talk, talk to me about that. What do you think yeah. is happening to them? Because they're in a way being brainwashed, right? They're being brain, being brainwashed by pornography, okay, um, by TikTok, by, you know, Instagram, wherever they are on social media. And what do you mean by they're validating the confusion? Yeah, you know, so... You might have a young girl who is, you know, abused, right, by another female or an older female. Okay. And she, and that might be her only sexual experience that she ever has. Right. 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 And you, and you now have this girl. And I say that because that was my story as a child where I was sexually abused by an older female. And as a child, I was like, is and that and to this day, that's my only because I have committed myself to remain pure for my husband. But as a to this day, that was my only sexual experience. So as a young teenager, I was like 13 years old. I remember asking the Lord, like I was in a kidding youth group asking the Lord, like, is this who I am? Right. Like, is this like what I was created for? Like, is this, you know, because it happened all throughout my childhood. Right. And so, wow. but I sitting in church and through God's word, he reminded me, you know, through Romans and just different passages that no, like, that's not who you are. That's not what you were created for. And so I had the voice of God in my life that restored that. And I was like, okay, cool. This is, this isn't normal. This isn't who I am, what I'm experiencing. But then if I were a teenager in today's world, hearing, you know, like if that would have happened and then you have all of these like pride campaigns and whatever, they would say, of course, that's who you are. And and that's so awesome. And let's get you a bumper sticker. Yeah. Or a flag or a t-shirt and let's all cheer you on in this. Um, So, (laughs) yeah. 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 Or a young boy. Yeah. Or a boy. Yeah. Or if you have a young boy who, you know, again, you know, there's just, there's a lot of, and that's what's, it's so bizarre because you have the most straight guys but they're like raping each other. They're raping young boys. It's just weird. The whole thing is weird. It's so demonic. And then you have a young boy that experiences that. And he's asking himself, like, and of course, that we talked about that armor and that strength being stripped, which is so heartbreaking. Mm. Like this masculinity and strength that God's given his son that's now stripped from them. And they're asking themselves, like, they're now vulnerable and they're like, okay, is this who I am? Or because that was stripped from them, they might look to a more masculine guy because they feel effeminate now and think, okay, maybe that guy can protect me, Mm. you know, or if they didn't have a father, just whatever it is. And of course the world validates like, oh, that's who you are. You're gay. And because it's taken from them, they're like, well, I guess that's who I am now. 
And then, and, and then they're bullied for it at school. Like you're this, you're that, you know, calling them names because they're effeminate, which is so sad because that's not who, right. Who God designed, designed them to be. God designed them to be strong men who are, who are warriors, right. Who have strength in, in, in their leadership and dignity and all of these things. But you're saying when it gets stripped from them in some form of abuse or lies that they're believing, that then they become feminine and then they're bullied for that. Mm-hmm. And often yeah. bullied, Christina, by Christians. <laughs> oh, for sure. And, and you know, it's so sad. Like I was even walking through the mall this week and I'm trying to get stuff for my trips coming up and if I walk into any store, like if I walk into H and M, the mm-hmm. girl section looks like the boys section because all the clothes are baggy and tomboyish, and the boys section or the men's section looks like the girl section. Not just with the color schemes, but with the shorter shorts, with the effeminate mm. like you know patterns and prints. Like it, this this world is trying to strip the femininity from you know god's beautiful creation like his girls and the world's trying to strip the masculinity from the boys you know that he that are supposed to be you know and so it's just it's it's very sad so what's the answer for that you know i truly believe that you know just when you go back to you know romans one where it says you know that we traded people's eyes grew dark right their hearts grew dark because they took their eyes off of the creator and onto the creation and they began to worship you know the created beings Mm -hmm. and i truly believe that when people have an encounter with the lord like when a young boy has an encounter with christ like he finally has a father in his life you know right that he restores all things when a young girl has an encounter with the father's love and he she realizes like wow this love is greater than any love i've ever experienced that alone it strips any masculine mask a girl could wear Mm. or any like where she is like yeah like i want to be a girl and a boy is like yeah i want to be like a a son you know and so which is so beautiful that when you Mm. come to christ like every boy is like yeah i want to be a son i don't want to be a girl a girl I want to be like a boy and then girls are like yes like I want to be a daughter why because I have a father who died for me who protected me who laid down his life for mm-hmm. me and so it's just a beautiful transformation like the gospel truly is enough 100 percent. yeah the gospel the gospel is enough and I love what you said about I want to be a son yeah because what we have to recognize is a lot of these effeminate boys or, you know, people in, you know, the gay pride movement um, haven't felt like a son, you know, have maybe weren't protected by a father, had a poor, didn't, you know, father wasn't there, didn't have a good example or just rebelled, you know, it could be anything. Maybe they did have a good example and they just rebelled, but becoming a, a, a son of, of Jesus Christ, a son of God, what happens is, is you begin to rise up into that identity. You don't change on the outside first. 
He gives you an identity from the inside, and then you begin to rise up and acknowledge that identity and in a way like want to live up to it that I am a daughter of the King, you know, that my body is a temple, that I'm a light to this world, that I'm an ambassador, and all of these things, all of these identities begin to rise up inside of them. The biggest thing that I think the church has to remember is this happens inside out. It doesn't happen outside in. It's not like these kids need to clean up before they come to the altar. The beauty of it is that you guys are going into the public schools simply sharing the gospel and sharing the love that God has for them. And that is enough. And and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. God will do the rest. We don't have to clean people up. That's not our, that's not our position. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, Jennifer. It really is. And something came to mind just when you think about like a young boy becoming a son, like God restores, like the, the gospel is the gospel saves, but the gospel restores, like he truly does give us beauty for our ashes and whatever was burned down in their life, their masculinity, their purity, their innocence, God gives them back their strength. God gives them back that armor that was taken from them. You know, God gave it back in my life a hundredfold. And Every part of me that was stripped and taken, like God has truly restored. Mm-hmm. And I know that in the days to come, just as we pray for revival, that we're going to see many of those young lost kids come to know Christ. Mm-hmm. And it really is something that only the Lord can do from the inside out. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. You really have the right perspective. You really, really do. I've um, I've been a little disappointed in 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 the perspective of a lot. You know, you follow people on Instagram and so forth, and and you see that a lot of people are putting you know more energy into like the target boycotts than they are maybe getting to know one of these kids that is in the movement and really getting just caring for them and caring about them, (laughs) you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm all for don't support companies that, you know, don't support your values. But at the same time, it feels like that's what we are called to do is to be light and hope to a lost generation. And I love that that's what you're doing. So, Christina, you're about to leave. I think today you're actually leaving for India on a mission trip. I want you to share about that really quick. And then in the next episode, we are going to talk about a huge outreach we're doing in Chile. But tell me about India and what you're excited about and what you're going to be doing over there. Yeah, so this is my third trip to India. I'm doing um, my beautiful friend, Randi, has a ministry called Unveiling. And the Lord has, she's been going there for 20 years. And so the Lord's opened up the doors for her to go into the schools there to share with the girls about literally like, you know, like your mission statement, your heart, like their beauty, identity and value in Christ, Mm -hmm. the gospel, like 80 statistically, 80% of girls in India have been raped. They're never told that it's wrong. Yeah. It's really crazy. Um, I never told that it's wrong. Yeah, they're never told that it's wrong. Like there was a girl that came up to us at a school after we talked about, you know, sexual abuse. And she said, no one ever told me that that wasn't okay. Like we had a girl that had like, you know, those little compass things they use for math that has a little pointer. Mm -hmm. She carries that with her on 
for bus rides to school or public transportation because guys will just try to touch, you know, girls like as they walk by or on the buses and they are just constant. They live in that culture where they are. It's a Hindu culture where they're nothing but someone out there. They were meant for someone else's pleasure, basically. And so we do that during the day. And then there's this widow's ministry that my friends have there. It's the biggest widow's ministry in Southern India. And they basically go to close to 16 villages and they gather 700 widows at their compound once a month. And when you become a widow in India, you are forced out of your home and our dog houses are nicer than the homes that they sleep in. These widows are not allowed in their homes. If they, if it rains outside, they're treated like dogs. What, why is, I don't understand that, Christina. I don't understand why a widow, her husband dies in India they just cast her out like a dog instead. I mean, here in America, obviously, widows are, you know, if your husband dies, we don't shame you for that. It, it's so bizarre. Yeah. yeah, you know, so it's um, it's all based in the Hindu culture, you know, and the Hindu religion. They believe that if you're a widow, you must have done something wrong in your past life, which is all, you know, demonic and from the enemy. So you have these beautiful women, you know, it's so amazing seeing these women who, you know, they all come in their saris and this ministry that we're partnering with, they are working on building houses for these women. They've been, this ministry has been going on for many years. They build houses for them. They feed them. They pray for them. Um, they share the gospel with them. And they are truly a lifeline for these widows who don't have anyone. And so many have come to know Christ. Wow. And it's just honestly so, because this ministry has been going on for so long, but it's so heartbreaking because these women, like my mom, my mom's Indian and my grandma, she was a widow for 20 years. And when I think of her, she's still to this day, my favorite person, right? I can never imagine like having her be cast out. And even, but what's so sad is that these widows will often come back with the food that they're given at these outreaches to their homes, you know, where their children stay with their kids and they, and they offer that food as a way of saying like, Hey, can I come inside? Can I have a meal with you? And sometimes a lot of times they just take the food and the widows are forced to still sleep outside. And it's just so heartbreaking. <laughs> it's hard to believe any religion on earth. Yeah. Like what kind of religion is this that we cast yeah. widows yeah. aside and orphans as well. It's interesting that as you're talking, I'm thinking about what Jesus said. He said, perfect religion is taking care of widows and orphans. Like in God's eyes, you guys, perfect religion <laughs> is taking care of these outcasts in society. Yeah. That's amazing. So which areas of India are you going to be in and how can my, how can my listeners follow you during your journey? Yeah. So um, while I'm in India, we're not allowed to post because it's like, there's a lot of persecution there, but the ministry that you can look up is called Singita Hope. Hmm. That's the widow's ministry. And if okay. you want to help support the work that my friends, Paul and Grace, they're um, they're like more like grandma and grandpa, their grandparents now, but they've had this ministry for years. And if you want to support the work they're doing with the widows there, mm -hmm. that's how you can um, hear more about that. Mm -hmm. And on their compound, they also have an orphanage that houses children that have been rescued from trafficking. Wow. And it's a beautiful ministry, like beautiful ministry, because a lot, oftentimes these widows, if they're 12, 13 years old, they get, you know, forced into these marriages really young and their husbands are older. 
They might have a couple kids with their first husband. If that husband dies they're and they're maybe in their 20s, they could get remarried to someone else, but the new husband doesn't want the new kid, the old kids. Mm. So they're the kids are forced to just like run the streets and they're mm. abandoned. And that's how a lot of them are trafficked. And so this ministry picks them up and, you know, kind of like Amy Carmichael, you know, just truly loving the orphans. Wow. Wow, that is so awesome. Well, I have to tell you guys that we put it out there that Christina was going to be going over to India and in the English-speaking schools where she's going to be visiting. uh, We threw it out there to our supporters if anyone wanted to send books over to the women in India, and we got a generous donation. And so Christina is going over there with a little stock of Girl Perfect books to share with the English-speaking girls in the schools there. So that's so exciting. That's that's really a full circle moment for us, right, Christina? <laughs> yes. And thank you so much, Jennifer, because these girls, you know, when we go into the schools, like a lot of them only go to school maybe one or two days a week because they're poor and they have to work. Mm-hmm. And so the one day that we reach them in the schools might be the one day that I can the only day that because they might go to school even for two years and then never come back or one or two days a week and they're forced to work to support their Mm -hmm. families Mm -hmm. and they get to go home with one of those books that can not only change their life but the lives of others in their communities and for them to hear even in a deeper way because these issues really they could be introduced in one session but it takes it's 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 a journey and your book really takes them through that journey so I know that the message in Girl Perfect is going to be such a gift for the girls in India. That is sure. that is so awesome. That is so awesome. Well, Christina is going to Chile when she gets back uh, from India, and our ministry is partnering with her to get a boatload of books over to the kids in Chile. So if you want to support that ministry, uh, either the Widows Ministry that Christina referenced, that link is going to be in the bio, or you can go to youarmore.org slash donate to support her trip to reach the troubled youth of Chile. She's going to be reaching 45,000 youth in Chile when she gets back from India. So we are going to talk about that on the next episode, but thank you so much, Christina. I think that you are, you are, you are a unique light and you are never afraid to go into those dark places where people feel cast aside and unseen and uncovered and unspecial. And I love your heart for the youth that, um, as Christians, it's not our role right now, you guys, to just bash a movement. <laughs> it is our role to bring love and light and the gospel to hurting people around the world. And that's exactly what you're doing, Christina. And that is why our ministry is 100% behind you. Thanks so much for being on the show. 